Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. You know, we, we set out to just kind of do some one-off sermons. I, I like one-off seasons. I like seasons too, but I also like one-off. We call them one-offs. It just means that whatever we feel like the Lord's saying, we're going to preach that weekend what we feel like the Lord's saying. And, you know, we, we didn't line it up with Advent at first. And what we found is that kind of the Lord has been naturally pushing it towards Advent. Pastor Wade preached on hope week one. And then last week I preached on joy. We talked about how joy is a kingdom work. It's not a feeling. It's something that we must work. It doesn't work unless we work it. And I pray that you're flexing that muscle and finding your joy. And for some reason, the Lord kind of won't let me off this topic. Uh, I know today's Advent candle was love, but I'm not going to preach about love um, today. But Jesus loves you. He really does. I promise. But I want to I bring a word that kind of stays in the same vein of hope and joy. Uh, I don't know why, but I just feel a real heaviness. Um, in my set, can I be honest with you? Is it okay if pastors feel heavy? I feel heavy. And it's not because I eat too much turkey. Uh, I just, I feel a heaviness, um, not, just, not just around, not just maybe on me, but around me, just the world. You just feel kind of a heaviness. And I, I, I think it's an opportunity for the body of Christ. And today I want to preach on faith. Okay, here's what I want. Here's, I'll just let you know. I'm going to preach on faith today. And it's, it's a super wide topic. I get it. Like you could preach a year on faith and, and not scratch the surface. Um, and I know you're going to have, well, what you should have said. Don't come to me with the verses I should have preached and what I could have said. I know it's, it's vast. Okay. I'm going to focus on one particular area in this topic today, but I think it's a real opportunity for the kingdom because if you notice, we've lost things to put our faith in. Uh, it's hard these days to put faith in government. It's hard to put your faith, um, in, in the news, it's, it's hard to put your faith in even, even the U.S. dollar. There's, there's inflation, there's, un, there's unrest. Um, and really what this is beginning to present, if we'll see it for what it is as believers, this is an opportunity when people are searching for something to put their faith in. We can actually show people what they should put their faith in. Uh, and so we as believers have to model this really well. It's, it's with joy, it's with hope, it's with all these things. And so faith is one of those topics that um, is really wide and really vast, and you can go a lot of different directions with it, but it's something that I want to I uh, speak on today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 1. I, I, I kind of threw a, a wrench in my plans this morning about two hours um, uh, before the first service. I just totally changed my base scripture. I changed a bunch of my stuff and threw the tech team for a whirl, but I really felt like the Lord was having me lean into this. Uh, passage from the Christmas story in Matthew chapter one. In verse 18, it says this. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. So we all know that it came about. We all, we all kind of understand that. We're celebrating that. But I like this. It says, well, this is how it came to that. It's kind of giving us the setup to it. It says, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace because according to the, it says he was faithful, faithful to the law. It's, it's talking about the law of the Old Testament, the, the, the Levit, Levitical law. 
And technically, he should have disgraced her. He should have kind of exposed this because he didn't know, you know, it's not, I don't know if somebody's ever came to you and said, I'm pregnant, but it's the Holy Spirit, I promise. I mean, I don't know what your first thought would be, but his first thought was probably similar to that. Um, but, I, but I love this because it says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, these, these next uh, six words is where I'm going to kind of set this up today. But after he had considered this. So he considered all of this. And then after he had wrestled with this, it says that the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So it's really easy for us, thousands of years later, to read the Bible and, and read it with context, because we understand the context. We know what happens. We know how this whole story turns out. And so it's easy for us to look at the Israelites or to look at Jonah or to look at Gideon or to look at all these people in the Bible and read their story and kind of we see how it ends. And so it's, it, we read it with a skewed mind. But the real challenge for us, if, if, if we really want to learn from the scriptures, is try to read the scriptures from their context, not ours. Like what, would it, what did it feel like for Joseph? And I love these words. It says, after he had considered this. And that's a really nice way of saying after he had really wrestled with this, after he went through some really, really dark thoughts, after he had lost faith in everything he thought and believed and hoped. In fact, this word considered in the Greek is the Greek word anthu, uh, I'm going to say this right, anthu and it means to revolve in the mind, to ponder, to deliberate. So it doesn't say to resolve in the mind. It says to revolve in the mind. So you think about a revolver, like a pistol, right? We can use that analogy in Oklahoma. It, it, it's something that goes round and round and round. And this is, this is something we can relate with. If you've had something that you've worried about, you've stressed about, and you've stayed up late at night, you lay in your bed at night staring at the ceiling because you can't sleep, you are considering it. You are revolving this in your mind. And this is giving us a picture of, of, of Christmas. I don't think Joseph was in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> I think he was struggling. I think he was revolving. He, he, was, he was struggling with this. He was wrestling. His faith was being tested. And, you know, we like to sing songs around the season, joy to the world and, and silent night and all is calm, all is bright. And Joseph's like, I wouldn't calm. Ain't nothing about my situation that was bright. It was dark. I didn't know what to do. Everything that I had thought, all my plans, everything that I had, had set up in my mind, about my marriage to Mary and all of these things in my future, everything in this moment was in turmoil. And sometimes life can, can really feel this way and it's frustrating. It's really, really, really frustrating. I don't know if you've ever uh, believed God for something and had hope for something only for your hopes to be let down. Uh, and so today I, I wanna talk on this. It's, a, it's an odd topic. It's an odd title for a, a Christmas season message, but I wanna talk about the frustration of faith the frustration of faith. Because we can all be cute and throw around this word faith and pretend like we all got it all the time. But the truth of the matter is, if you've ever walked through anything difficult, faith, trying to have faith for something is really frustrating. 
uh, trying to have hope for something is, is really challenging and, and frustrating. When I first became the lead pastor of the church, we had a lot of difficulties and a lot of struggles we were going through. And I remember the leadership team, we would get together and just wrestle through all the different things that, that we were facing and the challenges that were before us. And Pastor Dale, who is an executive pastor here, he's kind of the CFO, COO, uh, who I'm incredibly thankful for. You'll never see him on this stage really, but he does a, a lot of things behind the scenes. Uh, he, he would always say these words, and he still says them many times to this day. He would always say this. He would always say, if it weren't for that faith thing, this would be a lot easier. There's, there's always this element to whatever it is that we're going through in life. And if it wasn't for that faith element, if I didn't have to believe for something that I can't see, if I didn't have to believe for something that I can't feel and I see nothing happening that would lead me to believe that the thing that I'm hoping for is actually going to happen, but somehow, some way, I have to move past my feelings and move past the reality of what I see with my eyeballs, and how do I have faith for something that I, that I can't see? So, so I wanna kinda unpack this today and let's wrestle with this because faith, I don't know if we know this or not, or realize that how important faith is to our walk. And I wanna try to unpack that for us today. In fact, let me show you this. Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if we don't have faith, that's a strong verse. It's impossible to please God. Uh, Isaiah chapter seven, verse nine says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. So if that verse is true, we better learn how to stand in our faith. We better learn how to stand firm on things that we can't see and things that we don't feel because we believe in something greater than the things of this world. Things, we believe in something greater than the things that my feelings lead me to believe. So I wanna start kind of with a question. One, kind of, kind of two questions. One, what have you lost faith for? What is it something that maybe you had faith for at one time, but you've kind of lost the faith for that? Uh, maybe, maybe you've lost faith for your marriage or a financial deal, or, or it could be anything, any, anything in your life. Maybe, you, maybe you've tried to get in shape and tried to get fit and tried to kick the habit and tried to treat your body better, um, but over and over again, you just fail and you kind of just give up. Maybe it's mental health. Maybe, I tell you, mental health is directly tied to faith. Mental health deals with, it, faith is one of the greatest weapons to mental health. And, and I'll talk a little bit that, about that more later. The second question is, what do you have faith for in 2022? And I know, you know, those are supposed to be January sermons, but I want to kind of set you up and leading through December, what is it that you need to begin believing for again and having hope for again and having faith for Again, so this is a broad topic, okay? Some of you, as I go through this, I'm gonna kinda go back to some of the basics of faith. Some of you have been believers longer than I've been alive, and for you, this may just be a review, okay? It may just be some simple truths that you get it, but I do wanna tell you, we have a lot of people give their lives to Jesus here every week, and so we have a lot of baby Christians in here that don't even know what faith is or how to activate that in their life. And so wherever you're at, this will meet you where you're at, because most of the time we don't need more information, we need to use the information that we already, we already have. And so let's lean into this faith thing. Let's go back to the basics. What is faith, okay? So if you're taking notes, just write down this first point. Faith is. So let's talk about what faith is for just a moment. Um, faith, I like what Corey Tim Boone said. She said, faith sees the impossible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. Faith is like joy. Uh, I have to find it. I have to work it. 
it, it can be very frustrating. Like if I just get up here and say, you should be joyful, but you're really going through a difficult situation, you might want to punch me in the face instead of being joyful because it just doesn't make sense. How can I, how can I feel, how can I be joyful? Faith is similar to that. You should just have faith. You know, if you come to me for marriage counseling or one of our pastors for any sort of marriage counseling, and my only reply to you is you just need to have more faith. That's, that's going to be more frustrating than it, than it is helpful. So we got to understand the basics of faith. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, let's just let the, let's let the Bible define it for us so we don't have to, because it literally says, faith is. So it's about to tell us what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It gives us two things. One, it's the assurance of things hoped for. And two, it's the conviction. Some translations say evidence. Conviction of things not seen. So it gives, us, it gives us two things. So it gives us, the first thing is, is the assurance of things hoped for. So we need to know what this word assurance means. Uh, the word assurance in the Greek is the Greek word hupostis, and it means substructure, foundation, that which has actual substance, that which has actual existence. So faith, if you want to look at it this way, faith is the foundation and that's a lot of the reasons why we lose hope is because we've placed our hope on an unsteady foundation. We've put our hope for something instead of in something, or we placed our hope in something that's not sustainable. Uh, the parable of, of the man who built his house on the sand, and when the storm and the winds came, it was demolished because it wasn't built on the rock. Faith is our rock. Faith is the only thing sustainable in which we can place our hope in. And the second thing it is, is it says it's the conviction and that's a word that we wouldn't really associate with faith because we think of conviction as kind of this, we're in trouble with God. But one translation says it's the evidence. And the Greek word for this means proof. It's proof. It's that by which a thing is proved or proven. So if you kind of rewrote this verse with those Greek words in, 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 in context of what we just talked about, one could say this verse is saying, now faith is the foundation of things hoped for, and it's the proof of things not seen. So it really matters what we ground this on. So when you say you have faith for a situation, what you're really saying is you have faith in God. So if, we're, if our hopes aren't tied to God, we'll figure it out pretty quick, okay? So I know that's basic. Nobody is amen in me. No one thinks that's, I didn't blow anybody's minds there. But last week we talked about how joy is kingdom work. If you're waiting for the feeling of joy, you'll be waiting a long time. It's a kingdom principle. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Faith is similar to this. It's a kingdom work. It works when you work it. Your muscles will work stronger when you work your muscles. Faith is a muscle. Uh, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, faith is not something we either have or don't have. That's kind of the way we see it, right? We either I have faith or I don't have faith. C.S. Lewis said, it's not, it's not that. It's not either I have it or I don't have it. He said, he said, instead, faith is more like a habit to be formed. That I gotta begin forming a habit of faith. Begin forming a habit of knowing that foundationally, my hope is in something greater than what I see. It's, it's, it, my hope is found in the Lord. So once we know what it is, now we need to know where to get it from. I know this is so basic, but we gotta talk about where to get this stuff. So faith is, number two is faith from. Where do I find faith? Where do, I, where do I get it? Uh, again, let's let the Bible tell us. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
So faith comes when we hear things that take us back to a foundational truth that we can actually find sustenance to. Um, hearing is a really important element of, of your faith, okay? So if you're at the mall, which I wouldn't recommend the mall right now, by the way, wait, wait a couple months. If you're at the mall, I don't know about you, and if you work at one of these, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not bashing you. Uh, well, kind of am. But you know the little booths in the center hallway of the mall? You're just trying to get where you're trying to get. I don't know if anybody goes to the mall for these booths, but you get inter interrupted by these booths. And there's always the gentleman or the young lady who has some sample and they try to throw it at, like, like they try to thrust it upon you. You know, they're trying to get your attention, which by the way, I need to pause and just kind of, Michelle and I have this figured out. We can tell you how to avoid, okay? Uh, because sometimes I'm way too nice and I just, I will talk to anyone that comes up to me, but we've figured out how to not do this, okay? So get your turn, you haven't taken any notes, but you should take notes at this. So the key is, is, is you know, be holding hands now, with your spouse. If you're with some stranger, I wouldn't recommend that part. But Michelle and I will be holding hands. The number one thing you must never, ever, ever do is make eye contact with this leech. I'm sorry. I... Never, ever, ever make eye contact. If you make eye contact, it's over. You're probably buying whatever is this, this stupid chirping dog that I'm like, if I had to work there, I would just push that. I'd be like Jesus in the temple turning tables over. Stupid chirping. Okay. So never make eye contact. The second, the second must is if and when they see you. Now, this is tricky because you can't make eye contact with them, but you've got to see out of your peripheral to notice when they notice you. And when they notice you, you must immediately enter into a fake conversation with your spouse. <laughs> and if you really want them to leave you alone, pretend like you're fighting. <laughs> they will leave you alone. But, but really what these people are trying to do, I said these people, they're nice people. They're, I'm sure Jesus loves them very much. So I don't have to, I'm kidding, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Okay, so what they're trying to do is they're trying to bend your ear they're trying to say something that gets your attention. And if I can just get your attention, then I'm automatically pulling you in and I can sell you something. They understand the value of you hearing something. And faith, faith is very similar to this. Worry, anxiety, depression, um, all of these things that come to torment us all begin with us hearing something most of the time. And this is what this is saying, is saying that faith comes by hearing. So it gives us this perfect clue that if I ever begin to, to, to if my faith ever begins to, to fade or grow weary, I must take a step back and take assessment of what I've been listening to and what I've been hearing. Have I been digesting too much of the news? Have I been digesting too much of that person or that person's company uh, and, and what they have to say? Am I trying to get godly counsel from the wrong things? It all comes back to, to what we hear. In fact, this, this story that many of us know, the, par the parable uh, of the seed, he tells this parable to, of the seed to the, to the masses and then he has to explain it to the disciples. 
And this is what he means, this is what he says in Luke 8, 11. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. And those along the path are the ones who hear. They hear the word of God. And then the devil comes and takes it away, the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. So then we know that some fell on the rock and some fell on the thorns. But then it circles back around in verse 15 and it says, but the seed on good soil stands for those with noble and good heart who hear the word of God, retain it, and by preserving it produces a crop. If you're running low on faith, you need to tune your ear and realize what it is that you've been listening to. Um, one of the biggest things that comes in, in a text, our fear, is, is, is anxiety comes from what we hear. Fear comes from, from what we hear. So, so we gotta understand uh, where we're we getting our faith from. It comes from the Lord. It comes by hearing the word of God. Number three, so once we, once, we know what fear, what, once we know what faith is and where to get it from, and I know this is simple, but we need to really understand what our faith is in, okay? And I know that sounds really easy, but I wanna expose a few things that might show us that sometimes, just sometimes, our faith is in the wrong things. Uh, so in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, it says, in my, this is Paul, he says, in my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I can get really discouraged really quick when I begin to, to worry more about what you think than what God thinks. What you think about me versus what God thinks about me. And we may need a review of going back to the orphan heart messages and understanding that really, the, I'm gonna find my faith not in what other people think about me or what others say about me or what I even think about me. I wanna find my faith based on what God says about me. Uh, it, it really matters what we lean on. What you lean on is what your faith is in, okay? And I wanna unpack that for just a second. Uh, many of us know the verse, Proverbs 3, 3. It says that love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name with the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. This word lean in Hebrew is the Hebrew word sha'an, and it means to trust in, to support oneself with. So I'm, I weigh 230 pounds. I know I don't look it, I'm just really tall. Um, but if I tried to lean on this podium, it wouldn't sustain me. It, it doesn't have the capability of holding me up. And, and many times we, we, we find faith in certain things only to be disappointed. Because our hope isn't grounded on something foundational. So there's three ways that we can lean, okay, both in the natural but also spiritually, that will reveal what our faith is in. So the first way we lean is we lean forward. Leaning forward is a sign of anticipation. I'm anticipating you responding. If I put a $100 bill on this side of the stage and lined up three people and said, on your mark, get set, they would automatically lean in in anticipation. So if we have anticipation for anything other than what God is bringing, we are not operating in faith. If, I, if my anticipation is for my boss to give me a raise, I'm having my faith in my boss instead of in the Lord. If, if, my, if, if I'm anticipating 
getting a promotion, if I'm anticipating uh, anything, I'm leaning forward. The only thing I should be leaning into is, God, I am so full of faith that you're gonna do something great. I don't know what it is, but I have anticipation for it, okay? The second thing we can do is we can lean over. Now, we, we do this all the time in church and all the introverts hate it. My wife is one of them. She's like, if you tell me to talk, look at my neighbor and say something one more time. All the introverts that hate that, raise your hand. They're too shy to raise their hand, but they're doing it. If I told you to look at your neighbor and say something, you would, you would look at them and you would lean over. It's instinction. It, you just it instinctively lean over. So if we're leaning over, it's conversational. We're having a conversation. If we're leaning over to have conversations with things that we're struggling with, with anything other than the Lord, and getting our first and foremost advice from other people or other things, then we're putting our faith in the wrong things. Now, the Bible says to get godly counsel. I'm not saying you shouldn't talk to people. You should do that. Make sure you're talking to the right people. But leaning over is conversational. Who do you want to talk to? Okay. Do you, do you want to go to the Lord first or do you want to pick up the phone and call your girlfriends first? Okay. Uh, the, set, the, the third one is we lean back. Lean back is a symbol of I'm relying upon. You're leaning back in the chair right now and you're relying on it that it will hold you. you you're trusting that it has the strength to sustain you. And this is, this is something that we do without even realizing we're doing it. We can lean back on a career. We can lean back on a bank account. We can lean back on relationships. We can lean, lean back on influence and titles. So if we're leaning back on anything other than the Lord to sustain us and to hold us and to bring us peace and clarity, uh, then we may be having faith in the wrong things. I love what this says in Matthew 6, 28. It says, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't worry or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as, beautiful as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Now watch how he ties worry to faith. So that was all about worry. And then he says, why do you have so little faith? And then he goes back to worry. So don't worry about these things. I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about how closely tied, if I asked you what's the opposite of faith, most people say fear. And I think that that's true, I think fear is, is one of them. But according to this passage, the opposite of faith is worry. Now that hits me as it hits some of you. Growing up, I was what my mother referred to all the time as a worry wart, which I don't even know what that means. Like why do we associate worry with a wart? That's weird, it's disgusting. Because, ugh. How many of you struggle with worry? You'd be honest enough to say worry is one of my, one of my spiritual gifts. <laughs> worry, listen, worry does not mean that you failed, that you're crashing, that you're burning. Worry is an indicator. If you're a pilot and you're coming in for a landing and you're coming in too low or you're coming in too high, uh, a red light will flash on the dashboard that says you're coming in too low. And if you don't make a correction, you will crash, right? If you're on your way here today and your gas light came on, it doesn't mean you're out of gas. It means that if you don't stop and get some gas pretty soon, you're gonna be walking. And this is what worry is. We must begin to see worry. If you worry, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that. It, it, worrying should be a flashing indicator light to our spirit man saying, okay, 
What is it that I'm not trusting God with? What is it that I'm not having the faith for? If you worry about your kids constantly and their well-being and their safety, that's not a bad thing. That means you're a parent. Good job. You should probably care. But if you're, if you're obsessed with it and you're worrisome, maybe you need to apply more faith to that area. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's work. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but it's a flashing indicator to show us because it says, you of little faith. Why do you have so little faith? Almost like there's a measuring cup. Isn't that weird? I want to talk about that in just a minute, but all through the New Testament, it's almost like it's, you have too little, you have so much, if only you would have had enough, if you could just get a little more faith. It's almost like this measuring cup, um, this word little, this word little faith in the Greek means to trust too little, to trust too little. Uh, worry in the Greek means to be anxious, to be troubled with cares, to seek to promote one's interests. That last one is a little more convicting than the others. We Really, when we worry, we're hoping for something and not hoping in something. Worry involves hoping for. Well, I just hope so. I'm hoping for the best. Faith means I'm hoping in something greater than anything else. My hope is not in the situation. My hope is in the one who can solve the situation. The one that, that can make a way where there seems to be no way. So, so something that seems impossible, I can have faith for something that seems impossible because my faith is not in the impossible. My faith is in the one who can make the impossible possible. So it's, it's foundational, okay? So hope without faith. If you have hope without faith, you have anxiety and fear and doubt. This is mental health at its core, okay? Hope without faith creates um, unhealthy mental health, which, by the way, is rampant right now. The world needs faith in Jesus because it is the only thing that is strong enough to hold up our weary minds. So hope with faith, so both involve hope. Hope, hope without faith causes anxiety and worry and, and mistrust and doubt which is bad for you, by the way. Mental health is directly tied to your physical health. Your, your body was not meant to operate on that much cortisol at all times. So hope with faith produces peace and joy and the, and the fruits of the spirit that come from a place other than the reality of what we're surrounded by. The key element of this is faith. So one is an unhealthy, both of them involve anticipation. Think of it this way. So both, both have hope. I'm hoping without faith, I'm hoping with faith. Both involve hope, both involve anticipation. Hope without faith is bad anticipation. Hope with faith is good anticipation. And if you don't think there's bad anticipation and good anticipation, uh, ask your kids how they feel uh, on Christmas morning before they open gifts and ask them how they feel when you go to the drawer where the belt is. <laughs> they are anticipating getting grounded or getting spanked. I don't know what you do in, in, in your family. That's, that's your business. Whatever it is that you do, there is bad anticipation. So we can have a good anticipation or we can have bad anticipation. To worry is to apprehend anxiety and fear. Okay, And to, to have faith is to apprehend peace and trust. So we have to have faith in something. So we, have, we know what faith is. We know where to get faith. We know what to put our faith in. And then number four, then we develop faith for, okay? 
for. Now, now that we know what it is, now that we know what it comes from, now that we know to put our faith in something, now I can use my faith for something. Now I can begin to, to flex this muscle. I went to the gym and I built some muscle up and now I'm gonna use my muscle for a purpose, okay? So interesting thing about faith that makes it really frustrating is that it must be acted upon first in order to demonstrate that it exists. It's kind of a strange dichotomy. It's not like you can see faith and you're like, oh, I kind of like that, I think I'll try it. You, you must act upon faith before you can ever prove that faith exists. I know, that's, y'all need to unpack that for a while. It's like cow to Newgate. So I have to activate faith first in my life and I have to make it a habit. I make it a habit. Uh, you know, if, if you go into the gym working out the first week, you maybe only bench 50 pounds, but hopefully within a year, you're benching 100 pounds. You have more strength for today than you had yesterday. I didn't have the faith I have today that I, when I first became a senior pastor, I didn't, I didn't have it. But little by little, watching God show up more than I ever thought or dreamed or imagined or hoped. I never had faith to preach. I had no idea how to preach. I'd never preached a day in my life. I didn't want to go into ministry. It scared me to death. And now preaching is one of my greatest joys. I love it. I have faith for it because God built that up in me slowly over time. So we, we, we flex this muscle. So this morning, um, the 11 o'clock doesn't know Mama Lou as well as the 9 o'clock does, but Mama Lou is this 86, I think she's around 86 years old. She comes, in to, she comes back with me every Sunday morning and does communion with me uh, and before I preach and she prays over me and she's just a sweet, dear lady. And this morning she was trying to describe to me this, this Christmas play that she went to. And she just went on and on and on about it. And she just tried to describe it and she just would, would describe this element and this element. And she just went on and on and on. And I'm like, okay, Mama Lou, I get it. But finally she said, you know what, John? You just have to see it to believe it. I'm trying my best to describe it to you, but you just have to see it to believe it. And this is how we operate in our faith, which is wrong. I don't have to see it to believe it. Now I believe Mama Lou, she wouldn't lie to me. I I believe her, but I'm pretty sure the 86 year old woman in her has different things that she's interested in than me, right? So she thinks it's great, I might not. But here's the thing about faith. If God said it, it's true. I don't have to see it to believe it, not because of what it is, but because of who's delivering the message. I could trust the messenger before I see the message come to fruition. So my faith is more in the one bringing the message than it is the message that he's bringing. This is where faith resides. And Jesus, over and over again, this just befuddles me and, as I read through the New Testament, it's almost as if Jesus over and over again talks about faith as like you don't have, a mu- you don't have enough of it, you have a bunch of it, if you could just have a little bit more. And, and over and over again, he kind of presents this idea that my, my measure of faith is directly connected to my experience of him. Let me show you just a couple of them, okay? Uh, in Mark 4, he rebukes the wind and the waves. And then in verse 40, he says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? So he's like, you got none. There's zero. No faith. The woman with the issue of blood in the very next chapter, in chapter 5, Mark 5, Jesus says to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith 
has healed you. Uh, in, in Mark chapter five, a few verses later, uh, Jarius, who Jesus was on his way to, to heal Jarius' uh, a daughter and um, got interrupted by the woman with the issue of blood. And so whenever, whenever Jesus stops, Jarius is like, this is it. I'm, I'm not gonna get my miracle because we've stopped here. And so they come to Jarius and say, she's dead. She's dead, it's too late. Now watch verse 36. Jesus, it says, Jesus overheard what they were saying and said, don't be afraid, just believe. Just believe, just believe. Move past what you see in the natural. I just want you to believe. This in Matthew chapter eight, the centurion comes to Jesus and says, just send your word, okay? And it says that Jesus heard this and he was amazed. If you ever do anything that Jesus gets amazed over, that's kind of cool. Like you've done something pretty spectacular for Jesus to go, oh, wow. So Jesus was amazed, and this is why he was amazed. He tells us, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. The amount of faith that this guy had amazed Jesus. Matthew eight thirteen, it says, then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. So to the measure of which you believed it to be so, let it be done. Now, let me show you one other one. I know I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a lot at you here. Matthew 9, 27 says, and Jesus went on from there and two blind men followed him calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said, yes. Then he touched their eyes and said, now this is crazy. Let this blow the theology of your mind. According to your faith, let it be done to you. So it's saying, in measure to your faith, whatever measurement of faith you are willing to show me, let it be done to the equal amount of your faith. And I'm left reading some of these stories going, if, if, I'm, experienced the, if I'm experiencing the fullness of Jesus based on my measure of faith, I wonder if there's anything I'm missing out on. And it, and it challenges me not to say that Jesus is cruel and he's holding back from me, but saying Jesus loves me so much and believes in this so much that if I would step in by faith, imagine how much more God would wanna use me for and do through me and for me. Uh, one, one last one, this is my favorite one because I love the rawness of this in Mark 9. So Jesus um, is talking about a man that is coming asking him to cast demons out of his son, that the, the disciples weren't able to do it. In verse 21, it says, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. And it has often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us. He's like, if you can do something, Jesus. And Jesus answers, if I can. Like almost sarcastically, like, excuse me? If I can. Jesus says, everything is possible for one who believes. And verse, four, I like, verse 24 is my favorite. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I believe, but I don't believe. Can you help me overcome my unbelief? And what I love about this is Jesus steps in and, and is, is, this illustration is showing me is that not only does Jesus match our measure of faith, but Jesus actually will give us more faith. <laughs> He's saying, Jesus, help me be able to believe 
so that I'll believe, so that you'll do what I believe. And Jesus is like, okay, I'll help you. I'll give you a measure of faith so that you can have a measure of faith so that you'll stir something up in the supernatural too, so that I can see something happen in, in, in the natural. I love this. It, it's like faith, uh, it's like faith in the head versus faith in the heart. Does that make sense? Um, faith in the head doesn't, it's, it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't, it doesn't work. The mind, I want you to think of it this way. The mind, your mind, has no capacity for faith. Your rational thinking, like, like Joseph says, that he, he revolved in his mind over and over and over again. Now think about it. If he would have just been left with his thoughts without the angel of the Lord coming to him and saying, Joseph, she's right. It's the Holy Spirit. He would have been left in his natural mind revolving it over and over and over again because the, your mind has no capacity for faith. That's your feelings, your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's your soul. Faith happens somewhere else in our spirit, man. It happens in our heart. And you can see this happening, the duality of this in the moment. He's saying, I want to believe. I do believe. I do. In my heart, I, I do. But help me overcome the unbelief in my head. So when we know what faith is, we know where faith is from. We place our faith in the right thing. And we put our faith towards the right thing. This is what I would refer to as the faith walk. It's a faith walk. And don't beat yourself up when you miss step one or miss step three and you gotta go back and redo it again. It's a constant proverbial reminding yourself what your faith should be in, what your faith is, what your faith is for, who your faith is in. It's this constant proverbial unending cycle of our, of our soul man realizing this, coming into fruition of this. And I would call this our soul walk our faith walk, we're walking. If I tell you to walk from here to Norman, Oklahoma, first you would say, get behind me, Satan. That's what you would say. <laughs> but if I convinced you that you really needed to take this walk, it was gonna be a long journey, one of, your, one of the, the first couple things you would think to your mind is, okay, I gotta fuel up for this thing. I gotta, I gotta fuel my body. I gotta get ready for this. I gotta give the calories that my body needs to get there. And when God gives us something that we're hoping for, it's a long ways off. I'm hoping to get to Norman and you're hoping that your marriage is gonna get better and you're hoping that your finances are gonna improve and you're hoping that your career works out and you're hoping and you're hoping and you're hoping and you're hoping. If you don't fuel your faith for that journey, you'll never make it because your hope is in the wrong thing. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The only thing sure in this world, y'all, is your faith in Jesus. That's it. That's the only fuel that will get you to your destination. I'll close with this. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 says, Now, so we are always confident. That's a strong statement. I'm not always confident, are you? Knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 6, always confident, is dependent upon verse 7. I walk by faith and not by sight. The only way to be confident is to not walk by what you see, but by what you know. It's the only way to walk through this life with confidence. And by the way, it's the only way to walk through this world with joy that's unspeakable, that is unexplainable. It's the only way to walk through this world with peace 
that is unexplainable. It doesn't make sense. It's because I'm walking by faith and not by sight. So we don't walk by what we feel. This is my challenge to you. Don't walk by what you feel. Don't walk by what you see. Don't walk by what others think about you. Don't even walk by what you think about yourself because that will take you down a bad road too. I walk by faith. I have the assurance and the confidence, not in my situation, but in the one who is aligning my situation. And the one who loves me and cares for me and redeems me from the pit of hell and sets me upon the rock and is my only sure and steady hope in this world. Faith can take you from concerned to confident. Faith can take you from from being frustrated to being fixated on the one thing that really matters in your life. And I don't know who this is for, but God would not let me move on from this idea of hope and joy. And I think faith became this foundational piece to this. Faith only works when you work it. Okay? Work it out, man. Hit the, you gotta get the gym. You better get in the gym and start working out this muscle called faith. Would you stand to your feet with me at at our campuses? I want to just close real quickly by by asking um, for a response. I'm going to ask for it by a show of hands. And I just want to pray for you if you're here and you're struggling with any sort of faith, not faith in Jesus. Maybe, maybe that is that for you. I'm asking you if you're struggling with hope, hope for a situation. And again, this is the beginning of a process. You're gonna begin a journey, a process of discovering your faith walk. Uh, but I wanna kind of pray over you just to kind of spark this thing, okay? So at, at Edmund and OKC both, uh, would you just shoot your hand up and say, that's me, will you pray for me? I just need, I got some things I, I need more hope in. I need more faith in. Awesome, hands going up all over. Pastor Wade, take it over there whenever you like, brother. Let's pray, Father. We acknowledge that many of us are hopeless. We're broken, we're, we're battered, we're torn. Honestly, we're just exhausted, Lord. We're tired. We're tired of having anticipation for something that never comes. We've gotten our hopes crushed so many times that it's hard to get our hopes up for anything. I've lost my anticipation. I've lost the ability to anticipate good things in my life. God, I pray that today that you would get our hopes back up. But this time we're gonna do it differently, Lord. We're not just gonna focus on the thing that we hope for. We're gonna put our hope in the only one that can sustain us no matter what happens. So God, build our faith today. Build our faith. May our measure of faith increase. Put another plate on the bar. We're gonna build some muscle. We're gonna increase our stamina. We're gonna stretch ourselves. God, build our faith today, Lord. For those that are struggling with mental health today, Lord, I pray that you would supernaturally move our faith. Give us faith in the heart. May you visit us like you visited Joseph. Joseph was tormented. He was revolving in his mind and struggling and wrestling and challenged with this. And the Bible says that the Lord came to Joseph and spoke a word over him. 
that stopped the revolving door of fear and doubt and anxiety and pivoted him back to faith, back to sustainable faith. So God, I pray that you would intercede and that you would use this message and use this day as a visitation from the Holy Spirit to come to us to bring strength, to bring encouragement, to bring hope to the hopeless situation. We speak life and not death. I speak against any temptation to cancel death, to cancel life. If anybody is considering taking their life, if anybody is considering aborting a baby, I pray that life would invade the darkness, that light would come and show hope and show faith and show renewal and show possibility. The word says that you can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever hope for. So may our faith grow today, Lord. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church/give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.